these new rules could hurt beer sales. They're creating your robot overlords, and now, craft beer. Craft beer's big recycling issue. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the only podcast where the hosts make less sense as the show goes on because, well, the booze starts taking hold. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing this week? Oh, pretty good. I mean, I there was one, like, famous Joe Rogan podcast where someone got, like, fucking hammered and couldn't finish the podcast, so we're not the only one. <laughs> We've never gotten so drunk we couldn't finish a podcast. We've definitely gotten drunk enough that we may have shouldn't have finished the podcast. There are definitely some episodes where I'm listening going, good God, we are slurring the <laughs> slurring the hell. But we've oh. but we've always gotten to the end. We've always managed to get get there and I think even most in most cases drive drive away from it. So, you know. Yeah. But I'm doing pretty good. Drinking a Tipo Pills, the Italian pilsner that inspired Pivo. Hold it up. We'll do some. We'll do some social media here. There we. There we go. Look. That's and that's how we multitask. Taking time out of the fucking show to take pictures of what we're drinking. <laughs> how is it? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, not as clear as I thought it was gonna be. Um, almost has like a slight haze, a little orangish color. Little sediment at the bottom, but n- nothing bad. But a nice, easy drinking, crisp, hop forward pilsner. Um, I got modern times is back, baby. It's back in uh, uh back in town. Um, uh, under oh. the new under the new uh, um uh, modern times Maui conglomeration. Um, I'm and yep. I got one of the two beers that came into town. Uh, the pause for effect. Uh, a hazy double IPA, uh, not terribly hazy. I, I mean, it's it's got a little bit of uh, haze to it, but it's almost chill haze. Um, kind of a, a, a very like uh, orange peel, um, orange peel, um, mango, maybe like a touch of like strawberry hop aroma. Not terribly like. I mean, the flavors okay. It's got like uh, a fruit forward on the hops, a little bit of citrus, a little bit of orange peel, mango, like moderate bitterness for a hazy. Uh, but it, it's all very like subdued or subsumed or a word like that. Uh, it's very like, ah, yeah, that's 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 that that's an IPA. That's that's definitely an IPA. Not doesn't. Uh, 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 Still not, I don't remember uh, when or if Modern Times ever um, ever held, uh, lived up to the to the hype around them. At one point in time, Modern Times had quite a lot of hype around what they were doing. And I'm not I sure. I mean, their like, base coffee stout was always very good. I'm not sure I've but had that. But it also never had like a ton of hype behind it because everyone's like oh this is just their base it's stout with coffee the your non-ipa styles are they don't get nearly as much love as uh, anything else does i don't know and maybe maybe it was me unless you add pastry to fucking stout then (laughs) oh my god everyone's gonna fucking cream their pants (laughs) 
tell us how you really feel, Tyler. Would you like a would, would you like a, a a a velvet chocolate cake, marshmallow, caramel chocolate, double chocolate, extra chocolate on top of that? Uh, With stout? a chocolate fucking cocoa pebbles, yeah. That they fucking light me up. <laughs> Uh, and then after that, uh, I, I we got a new, also got a new uh, um, uh, uh, brewery in the market, uh, Prost, uh, out of Colorado. Uh, yes, I went ahead and grabbed their Dunkel because nobody does a Dunkel, so I'll, we'll, I will crack that open as soon as I uh, slam this uh, Imperial IPA. Uh, live up to our, uh, live up to our, uh, our, the 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 way this show goes where. We kind of kind of swerve off the rails into the ditch. I'll have a dunkel and we'll call it a day. Perfect. <laughs> what do you want to start us out with? Well, Major League Baseball may have an unforeseen consequence of trying to make their game more relevant. Um, so they implemented a rule that takes place this year uh, where they implemented a pitch clock. So basically, there is a timer that the pitchers have to throw the ball across home plate by, or else they, the batter is awarded a ball um, and could then get walked. If the batter delays it too much, he gets a strike. So it's I saw, for, been... for somebody who's, um, who's who, who doesn't watch baseball, in fact, is only tendentially aware of its existence, was that a problem? I don't. I, I mean, baseball's boring as fuck. But uh, so baseball, at their typical games were running like three, three and a half hours. Okay, yeah. That... Uh, so this helped speed up the game, which Major League Baseball was trying to do to attract a younger audience, as well as start kind of reversing course on the declining attendance at the games, uh, and. So far through spring training and the first couple weeks of the regular season, it shaved off about 25 minutes per game. How much time do you have to get the ball over the plate? Or uh, If I remember correctly, it's like 15 or 20 seconds, depending if there's a runner on base. Uh, if the batter is not in the batter's box, but with at least eight seconds to go, uh, a strike is awarded against the batter. Has it has has that come up a lot so far this season? Uh, one of the superstars in Major League Baseball got ejected yesterday because uh, he got he had two strikes already. Was dilly dallying around, tried to call timeout because he realized he was not going to make it back into the batter's box. The ump called strike. He called the ump a douchebag. The ump <laughs> threw him out of the game. <laughs> Seven minutes into the game. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is going to to take away uh, from the like the pure aesthetic of the game, which is uh, being able to sit around, get drunk, and watch millionaires scratch their balls. Yeah. Um, so funny but, enough, you bring this but it, up, but it's um, but it's the getting drunk part that is the uh, is the uh, uh, what we we've come here to discuss, I believe. Yes. How's so, that for a transition? Uh, <laughs> boy. Uh, there were a couple articles. Uh, the first one I saw was from uh, the Chicago Eater. Uh, and they actually brought up how uh, one of the Philadelphia Phillies 
players was on a podcast, or sorry, Chicago White Sox pitchers was on a podcast where they were talking, and he talks about how, you know, the games are moving faster, you know, what's some unintended consequences, and he's like, basically, you won't be able to drink as much. Um, and then that got everyone kind of thinking, what's it, is that going to affect beer sales at these stadiums? And ultimately, the bottom line to these owners, and are these owners going to regret making this rule change? Because now, you, typically beer gets stops getting served uh, at the seventh inning or seventh inning stretch. So halfway through the seventh inning, somewhere right around there, kind of depends on the ballpark. Um. And so the quicker you get to that point, the less chance people have to drink or are people going to be slamming beers to try to get the same amount. And the Chicago Eater column uh, talks, he's like, yeah, it's going to affect, you know, the best part about going to a ball game, drinking a $12 fucking Bud Light. And I was like, what ballpark's only charging $12 for a beer? Uh what are they up to now? Uh, I've seen some photos where it's like 20 bucks, but it all kind of depends. For what... a 16 ounce of uh, domestic. Typically, they're like at 32 now. Okay, so it, so, I mean, uh, all right, that's, that's better. A 32 ounce, at least a 32 ounce pour, but still, Jesus Christ. So. 12 bucks for uh, a 32 ounce is, is not a, is, is not a bad, for, when you're factoring in, I don't know, a stadium or an event or something, 12, uh, 12 bucks for 32 ounces isn't bad, but getting upwards of 20, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Good Beer Hunting came out with an article as well where they j- talk about uh, how shorter games might threaten these because, uh, you know, less time to drink. But the MLB and some of their partners are saying, well, because it's quicker games, more people are going to show up to the stadium. Uh, so then more people could be buying the beers. So I don't think we'll see a decline in any revenue. Uh, but just to give you some quick revenue numbers, uh, the revenue of beer at the average MLB concession per season is about 2 to $8 million per stadium. Of beer, that's a decent uh, that's a decent haul on beer. Yep. So if every game is about fourteen percent shorter this season, that's about two hundred eighty thousand to one point one million dollars less potentially in beer sales over the course of a season. But we're talking about twenty to thirty minutes. I mean, I I understand that uh, people can put away a lot of beer in 20 or 30 minutes if they are properly motivated. Um, But over the course of a three-hour game, especially since it's the 20... um, Well... um, uh, Maybe one beer each? Less each? I don't know. Yeah, but one beer less each, let's say it is $12. And... Every person who's drinking in there gets one beer less each game. Also, I have $12. faith. I have faith that the fans um, 
can can I mean you're just gonna listen you're just gonna have to commit yourself you've got to get you got to get through those beers faster and also I, if I understand the the procedure correctly when you get there you slam like four or five of them and just so you can like mentally dull yourself enough to again watch millionaires scratch their junk and then you know once you've kind of settled into a nice drunk then it's just about maintaining right so yeah so really i, I shouldn't affect beer sales because you just you 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 need the a certain amount of alcohol to get get you let's uh how do i put this nicely dumb enough uh to watch baseball in the first place and then after that it's just maintaining and uh, we're talking about the difference between 20 and 30 minutes over over a long enough stretch. I don't think you really see that much of a change. So uh, <laughs> there is one way to actually take kind of a look to see how this is going to play out because uh, Major League Baseball's minor league systems actually implemented this pitch clock a year or two ago. So they we're able to kind of look down at the minor leagues and see, say, you know, did we notice a drop off in concessions, uh, which most of the minor league teams kind of echoed the same statement that, you know, a lot of things have to come into play with the minor league games, you know, depending what's going on that day, weather time of the game there that affects their attendance and most people already, when they get to the minor league stadium, haven't decided we're staying here for 90 minutes or we're staying here for X amount of time and then we're leaving. And so they didn't really notice a drop off in beer sales. But on the flip side, it's a minor league versus the professionals. You're getting up to the top level. There's more people that actually give a shit about the MLB versus the minor league team. So, the hard part is how much is actually going to be lost, which I'm curious to see. And it's curious to see if MLB tries to make any different moves by maybe extending the beer sales to the eighth inning to try to earn back some of that money. Or if they just say, fuck it, if we lose a mill every year, that we lose a mill. I mean, or the, the, the more, more obvious solution is not only to do away with the, with the pitch clock, um, basically uh, make uh, 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 baseball into what cricket was like uh, five, ten years ago, where games last eight, nine hours. So essentially yeah, every it, going, so going down to the ballpark, I mean, going to watch a baseball is, is, a, is the equivalent of going on a bender. Like, uh, <laughs> we're going to go watch a game. It's the fine line. Uh, the <laughs> Chicago Eater article talked about how, like, it's an odd fine line. Like, you want to sell as much beer as you can, but then you also can't over-serve people and have them just blitz trying to drive home. Um, or blitz in the stands, have, because there's nothing there's nothing more fun than the drunk guy behind you. Uh, or... Uh, doing the super cheap beer promotion, the 10 cent beer night with the Cleveland Indians did that led to a riot on the field of fans. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. I, um, I'm sure that I'm sure our more, uh, uh sports oriented, uh, fans have heard about this, but I have not. And surely there's there, there's those that are going, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> 
<laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. It, it's basically the gist of it is baseball stadium. It was like back, I want to say in like the 50s or 60s, okay. decided to run a, a 10 cent beer night. A five or a 10 cent beer night. It was one of those. It was like dirt cheap even for them. Yeah. Uh, and basically it was, it became a sold out game because everyone wanted to just come and get fucked up. Well, they proceeded to, and then they proceeded that they didn't like how the game was going, and so they were going to take it into their hands. And <laughs> basically, a full-out <laughs> riot ensued. Um, if you just search, like, 10-cent beer night baseball, you'll find the article or, like, the whole story that breaks down, like, why that went bad It. It turned out to a whole shit show. So it's a fine line ballparks have to All right. watch. So you don't want to do that. Uh, riots, um, I will go on record and, and, and say that riots are bad. Sometimes mm-hmm. necessary, but bad. I mean, if the game was boring, what did you want them to do? Just sit there drunk watching baseball? Well, first of all, if you're if you're watching baseball and you're going, it's this is boring, why am I doing here? I'm like, well you're watching baseball. I feel like that was, it's, it's it, it kind of inherent in what you're doing. <laughs> um, one person did kind of, uh, Parker usher agrees your with sentiment. Me. Yep. Did kind of usher your sent- sentiment, Jeremy. Uh, he said, most people who are eating and drinking at the stadium aren't doing it. Off, oh, I've been here an hour. I should get up. They're doing it based off of what inning it is and trying to go in between innings. And so they're think, they're betting that the concessions aren't going to drop because people are going to do it regardless. Um, that actually does make a bit doing it based off innings, not off how long they've been there. That does make a bit of sense because as you're sitting there watching, you're like, oh, shit, he's about to strike out. I'm going to down this beer and go grab another one. Yep. Uh, also... On one final flip, uh, they interviewed a former beer vendor for the Chicago Cubs, and he told him that, you know, the another downside to the game speeding up is they're doing this pitch clock, so there's more scoring, more people get on base, there's more action, and it's a quicker pace. He s- said which could mean less people getting up because they don't want to miss something while they're waiting in the beer line. Or he said when he used to be a beer vendor walking the aisles, people would wave him off if it was a really tense moment or, you know, even if they just finished their beer, if there was an intense pitching battle going on and they were really invested in seeing how that played out, they would wave him off and then just get him on the next time around. So he's like, that may actually you may see a bigger bump if the MLB gets what they want and it's a more competitive, more intense game. They may see that beer sales dip even more. What I'm so what I'm hearing is if the game is good, uh, the, the beer sales are shit. So not only is baseball inherently the best sport for 
uh, beer sales. You sh- I, 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 I keep on going back to, you should make it more like cricket. I mean, the more boring and tedious <laughs> you can make this shit, the more beer you're going to sell. So I, I, I think we should just, I, 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 I can't believe I'm saying this. We probably just should annex baseball altogether, bring in cricket. Um, and somewhere in, in somewhere in England, there's, uh, there's a, uh, a, a, a guy named Nigel jizzing in his pants. Uh, <laughs> no, because I don't have a day and a half to watch a fucking cricket match. That's the point is that, I mean, listen, every game is a bender, right? You go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go watch cricket and they're going to be like, okay, well, I guess I'll see you in a few days. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I'd have to take out a fucking second mortgage to pay for all the alcohol in that stadium because, fuck, unless they were running, like, the Masters fucking beer prices, I'd be broke. Well, the Masters beer prices. We're talking about what? $5. In golf? Yep. So you can buy every item on the Masters food menu, every single item for $66. Why? I mean, why is it so much cheaper than literally any other spectator, other than the fact that if I'm trying try to pick a sport that's even more boring than baseball, golf comes to mind? Uh, because they're rich, they're a very exclusive club, and basically their prices hasn't cha- haven't changed in like 60 years. Uh, you can still get a sandwich for $1.50 there. Uh, that's so fucking weird. It's because your clientele is rich, they're like, we don't really need the money, we just... We just here. Here's a. Well, it's also super expensive to get into this event, and hard to get into this event, and so I think they just assume since it's hard to get in here, we'll at least catch a price break. But yeah, uh, a domestic or an import beer is five dollars. Wow, there's there's a whole. I mean, I feel like there's a whole like uh uh. uh uh, a study you could go into the uh, in you know uh, uh, into class warfare right there, but I'll leave that for another time. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what do we got next? Tech business news now. Uh, you're an industry that's devolved all human interaction into screaming about what lies to believe, and you're well on your way to making them all obsolete and on the way to our Terminator dystopian future. What do you do in the meantime? Woo-hoo! You kick back and you make beer, apparently. Um, two tech companies announced this week, roughly on the same day, April 1st, that they were going to release special beers, and the timing made some suspect that it was joke, that it was a joke, but it wasn't, and it, or at least it wasn't meant as a joke. Um, the first one was every everyone's favorite 13-year-old billionaire Elon Musk and Tesla. Uh, this comes from Fortune Magazine by Chris Morris. Uh, Tesla is releasing a limited edition beer named Giga Beer to help hype up its Cybertruck. Um, the beer comes in three bottles that I can, and I'm probably going to use the picture as our, uh, as our cover for this episode, but it comes in three bottles. And the only way I can describe this is, is it, what would happen if you asked an AI drawing pro- program to draw a science fiction dildo? Um, they are, <laughs> they are black. Wait, hold on. I got to look this up. <laughs> they are, well, they are black. Yeah, Giga Beer. Um, the bottles are black with uh, the word Giga scrawled in a, uh, on the side in a font that... The font looks like Robot Toddler. That's that's about the best way I can describe it. But it does glow in the dark. Um, 
And oh, uh, that's good. So when the power goes out or when you're too drunk to see, you can at least see the glowing thing to reach for. Um, the three bottles will cost you about ninety-seven dollars. And you want to guess what? Jesus Christ! You want to guess what style of beer it is? Light lager. German Pilsner. But you're but you're but you're 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 on the right uh, you're on the right idea because that's right for only thirty two dollars a bottle you can have a five percent German Pilsner. It's a bit like Tesla itself, flashy on the outside, bracingly mediocre inside. Uh, well, that was like when Tesla was like, our Tesla tr- pickup uh, will have bulletproof glass, and he's like, watch, and he throws a rock right through the window, <laughs> and I was like. That ain't bulletproof, bro. <laughs> uh, you did not think about that when you decided to demonstrate that. <laughs> um, there is one special thing about this beer. It is brewed with an exclusive strain of hop known as, of course, Cyber Hops. Um, it is described as habi- having notes of cis- citrus, bergamot, and sweet fruit. But it's hard to tell for sure because Elon Musk claims to own the world supply of this hop. Because, again, the man is basically what would happen if a 13-year-old boy found a genie. Um, (laughs) For the... (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed that. It's so true! (laughs) For for the Muscovites slobbering over a taste of the master special hop, well, you can't. Unless you're in Europe. Um, it is only available in the European market, but unlike the Cybertruck, whenever it comes out, the beer will probably sell. Um, uh, and uh, it, it is available only uh, through uh, the Tesla website. And uh, not to be outdone um, is the tech company Nothing. You familiar at all with this company? No. Um, I neither was I. If I had... you would have said boring, I would have been like, so Elon Musk is releasing the same beer in two different packages. Um, no, the, the name of the company is nothing. I was not familiar with it. As near as I can tell, um, it basically makes Kmart brand Apple products. And if you got that reference, congratulations, you're old as well. You probably, if you, if you got that joke, then you probably knew what nothing was. But if you knew what nothing was, that joke probably did not land. <laughs> They, they have the nothing phone, the nothing ear, which is basically uh, a ear buzz, and coming soon, a five point one percent rice lager called beer. Um, Please tell me the label looks like the like old school like fucking cans. It is just like yeah. The label goes uh, uh, very much with nothing's nothing's whole ethos is like is like stripped down minimalist you know it's 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 uh good functional tech stuff without the uh without the price and going with that minimalist ethos um it is a it is a it is a uh a a blank can uh that just says beer and the abv uh in dot matrix print i saw that picture floating around twitter and also, it has and I was a, like, huh? Wonder what that is. And it always has a yellow jacket on it for some reason. Uh, um, when in the pictures the company released, uh, it has a yellow jacket climbing on it, which, um, I mean, I was like, is it a honey beer? <laughs> not, it just it, it just has a yellow jacket on it. That doesn't. Uh, I, I've got a strange phobia of bees, so that doesn't make me want to have anything to do with it. Uh, 
<laughs> in an article, I was I was reading a few articles about this one, uh, and, and in um, and and is and um, uh, Gizmodo, uh, the uh, uh, the writer said, "Well, it makes me want to hit the beer with a nine iron more than drink it." But <laughs> <laughs> hey, they don't care because you already paid for it. <laughs> the Tesla beer for me uh, makes this, makes sense in as much as that anything that Musk does makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, which is doesn't. Um, but why would a company like nothing be interested in selling beer? Well, uh, uh, here's the press release from the company quote at nothing. We're always looking for ways to do things differently and to make every day more fun. We're a brand that brings people together. So making beer felt like a natural progression for us. We also prototyped it at our store launch party in London and people seem to like it. Uh, so the translation is uh, because we wanted to. We, we wanted to make a beer. <laughs> the translation I got is, well, we like beer, so we thought we'd make a beer. Uh, the- Can't be that hard, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna open our own brewery. Uh, we just cashed out our retirement at Micron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, the- I was just talking like anyone who tried to open a brewery and. Fucking Boise. They're not opening their own brewery. It's uh, the beer is being produced by a by a Welsh brewery. Um, uh, so they're uh, much like the Tesla beer. It's being it's being contracted out. They're just putting their name on it. Ah, uh, well, if anyone wants to buy us either of these beers and ship it to us, we will gladly drink and review it on the podcast and give you many thanks. Um, I mean, uh, uh there, there's. There's a very low chance we could get the uh, with the 5.1 percent uh, a beer from nothing. There's absolutely no chance I'm, we're getting uh, the uh, the Tesla beer after I after my numerous uh, unflattering remarks about uh, uh, about Elon Musk. Elon, you can have this podcast only a billion dollars. You have you have lost more money than that in like the past oh I'd say hour or so. So you might as well fuck it. <laughs> 10 G's and I'll give you the podcast. <laughs> and I'll throw Jeremy in for another 10. <laughs> My wife might actually go for that. She might actually like negotiate up a little bit, but <laughs> nothing beer will be available this summer. Uh, probably exclusively through their website. Although full details haven't been released yet. So, uh, and uh, and and next up, craft beer will destroy the Earth. News now. I thought we just talked about that with the Terminators. Uh, no, no, no. See, we're the craft beer is going to destroy the Earth, and then the Terminator is going to mop up after the after um, the tech companies just become microbreweries because apparently that's the progression of things now. Fuck, so we skipped our career in tech and just went straight to beer. It turns out that we're not we're not lazy bastards who just want to drink beer all day, uh, beer all day. We are uh forward thinkers. We just, you know, like skipped the part where we have where to Where you work. make lots of money? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the part we we skipped. Uh, questionably so. Um <laughs> Marty Jones uh, was instrumental in bringing craft beer uh, from bottles into cans. And as the, quote, lead singer slash idea man for a little brewery you may have heard of, Oscar Blues, um, he was largely responsible for the brewery's groundbreaking move into cans. Uh, But the advantage that cans have over bottles, namely 
uh, among them, the recyclability is being compromised by craft breweries themselves. And he talked to craft brewing business about it. Um, and the problem stems from the fact that printed cans um, uh, are very recyclable, um, but are also extremely tough to get and hard for the craft beer industry to use. Uh, we talked about yes. this. We talked about this last year uh, uh, when uh, Ball, the uh, uh, the largest can producer in the co- company, raised the limit of how many printed cans you needed to buy. I forget what that was, but it was on the. It, it was. It was like, one truckload to five truckloads of the printed can skew. So no more splitting truckloads. It had to be five truckloads of the same skew. So if you had your IPA in a printed can, and you used to do a truckload of that and a truckload of your fucking light lager, you now had to do five truckloads of each. So, I mean, if you have, uh, uh, like, three different flagship beers, I mean, if you were to go through Ball exclusively, that means 15 trucks of cans, which, unless you were a, a, a national or even, like, I mean, I, unless you're available in, in at least uh, half the states, that's going to last you a minute. Yeah, and you then have to warehouse all of them. That was the thing because that because when that deal went down, um, uh, Ball was at the time you had you, you had to order and pay for them, I believe. Uh, but Ball would would hold them until you needed them. When this when they changed their policy, it was a you have to order a full truckload. And by the way, uh, you have to also it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. A, a, a truck will be there. You better be ready to uh, uh, to store it. Um, it is getting left in your parking lot, whether you want it or not. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, so you can see how that adds up. And by the way, we're not even talking about special releases or breweries that have a constantly rotating lineup. Um, so uh, labeling a can with like shrink wrap, shrink wrap or even just like uh, using a label like you would with a glass bottle was kind of the quick and dirty way that craft beer uh, figured out how to uh, move to cans um, and still be able to pivot with when it comes to marketing with uh, uh, with their rotated with their constantly changing lineup uh, with the with the fact that flagship beers also change it was just the way that that craft beer could. Uh, get in on this new, uh, get in on the all the advantages of cans, uh, but still be able to function as a craft brewery. And I think you even mentioned at the time that this comes with a cost because cans with labels, especially shrink wrap labels, cause a lot of problems after the can has been tossed in the recycle bin. Um, mm-hmm. For a start, uh, the sorting sensors uh, identify tend to identify shrink wrap cans as plastic. And so they are kicked to the plastic recycling, and then the end result uh, of that is usually that can being thrown in a landfill uh, when that when someone finally realizes that what they have in their hand is not a plastic bottle. Um, but in the instances that it doesn't get miscategorized, there's another problem, and it's simply this. A printed aluminum can is 100% aluminum. When you cover it in plastic, it's not aluminum no more. Um, they gum up the shredder machines. Um, it degrades the molten metal, 
And not to mention, if these cans are going into a smelter, then they are essentially burning plastic, which is, to put it mildly, not ideal. You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> That's, listen, I, I, I don't know what it's like in a smelter, but it's probably bad enough without burning plastic in those, uh, uh, in those goddamn things. Um, it was, I think, a tolerable nuisance uh, when craft beer cans were a relative novelty. But um, now that the majority of the industry has switched uh, to that packaging, and a lot of them are using shrink wraps or even just labels on the cans uh, to label a product, it's gone from being a problem that the that uh, uh, can producers were willing to absorb to one they are not anymore. Um, Wendy Fouth, uh, the general manager at Denver Materials Recovery Facility said, quote, It's becoming a larger problem every day. Our end users, the mills, are having less and less tolerance for the level of contamination we're sending them. Um, they're in the business of re- business of recycling aluminum cans, and they are not ideally equipped to deal with these levels of contamination. Um, but it even goes further than that because it actually, in a weird way, has the chance to put recycling as an industry at, 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 at greater risk. Uh, it turns out that re- aluminum recycling is kind of what pays the bills in the entire industry. Um, really? Uh, uh, again, this comes from um, uh, the Denver Material, uh, Materials Recovery Facility and, uh, and uh, uh, Wendy Fouth. About, <clears throat> excuse me, about 3% of the material that they take in is aluminum cans, but it generates 30% of their income. Damn. And so to have their, I mean, there was uh, several comments in this article in craft beer business uh, that basically they were that and uh, not being plugged into the industry um, to suddenly have cans coming in that were covered in plastic or labels because you you kind of realize that up to this point every can was printed uh, because they were coming from big beer producers, big soft drink producers, you know, and other or or other entities that had long since you know I mean truckloads of 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 cans were never an issue, um, but to suddenly have a whole lot of these cans coming in covered in plaster, covered with labels threw them for a loop. They, they, uh, even one, some, uh, 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 somebody commented like, what are they doing with our, what are they doing with our aluminum? Um, um, so what can be done? Well, very simply, um, craft breweries kind of need to stop covering their cans plastic, but that's not easy because like I said, the, uh, 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 moving to printed cans is probably not an option for anybody but the largest breweries. Um, now, the price for digitally uh, printed cans is coming down, and there are companies that will do it um, for for far le- for far less uh, uh, order minimums than uh, Ball is is uh, requesting. Um, and but their price per can is higher. Um, according to the article, I haven't researched much, but the price is coming down. And it's coming down to become comparable with uh, with shrink wrap or, or or labels. So, 
it's it's getting within the range of of the of the craft brewery, especially the uh, the the ones that are trying to be conscious about uh, what happens to their uh, packing material after the consumer uses it. Yeah. Well, uh, on the flip side, though, shrink wrap and labels are more expensive per can by a significant amount. It's the minimums are much lower. So if those minimums are comparable, cause like a roll of labels, I think it does like 50 cases, mm-hmm. something like that. A roll of labels will do like 50, 12 cases of 12 ounce cans. There's no minimum that is that small. Right. I mean, that's, so that's far that's going to be hard. It's far less that's going to be hard on like the, the digital printed to compete on that level. But I mean, even I mean, even if like um, uh, like that helps like mid-sized breweries, the ones that aren't quite you know a regional powerhouse. Um, um, that, uh, but not, but have a bigger run than, you know, say, you know, 50 cases, uh, uh, yeah. it, it might help a little bit. The other thing that, 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 uh, uh, they can do if shrink wrap plastic is absolutely, uh, essential. There are those that come with like a zipper tab or something else that makes it easy for the customer customer to, uh, uh, remove, and uh, and to- and and throw away before tossing the can itself. Now, of course, that uh, that comes with the caveat that uh, there needs to be some directions on the can to do that. And even then, it's going to be too much effort for your average customer because you know they they just had a beer. What do you, you you want them to you want them to, to take the label off and throw the can in the recycling bin? Come on, he's got a, he's 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 very he's very a busy guy. Very busy. Um, he probably is, <laughs> probably is going to have another beer soon, and then going to be incapacitated. So, uh, <laughs> uh, either way, I, uh, the the push has has got to come from the producers. Uh, cans were adopted in no small part because of the recyclability. Uh, it's part of the selling point, and the craft beer industry uh, often tries to portray itself as sustainable, green, other adjectives to that end, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you're doing that, it's a problem, and it's it's something that probably needs to be addressed. Ugh. Tyler, what do you got for us? <laughs> well, hold on. Speaking of, I got I I just got the I opened the dunkel while I was uh, uh while I was <laughs> pontificating about recycling. Um, uh, not Matt's got like a nice roasty uh, 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 aroma to it, a, like a touch of uh, uh, caramel or even like coffee like uh, uh, going for it yeah uh, I was going to say I've had beers from them when ooh. I've been down in Denver they're not bad nothing I've ever had from them has like blown me away I dig it um, I feel like it's roastier than a dunkel should be when I think dunkel I think um, well it's I guess I'm thinking dunkel vice um, not like a, a, a dark lager um I still think it's like I almost think it's uh, um, um, should be like a little bit more like caramel as opposed to like uh, uh, harsh roastiness, but still very nice. Like like a little bit of coffee, a touch of caramel, nice, nice. like dry finish, 
crisp. Yeah, that's a nice one. Um, now, Tyler, what do you got for us? Well, speaking of April Fool's Day beers, um, I saw a post from the Louisville Ale Trail. Uh, unbeknownst to me, I wasn't even thinking. It, I read it on April 1st. And they talked about how they're excited to announce the launch of a brand new beer that brings together the brewing heritage of St. Louis, Missouri, and Louisville, Kentucky. The Budweiser Kentucky Common. If you're not sure what a, the fuck a Kentucky Common is, don't worry. It's a very kind of under-the-radar style that's starting to make a little bit of a comeback. I first remember it uh, uh, back to Oscar Blues. They came out with a Kentucky mm-hmm. Common. That was the first time I'd heard about it. I've since had a couple of them. Um, th- I mean, they're basically... They are basically uh, uh, on a... Like a amber or dark log, dark amber or dark American lager, um, along with like the associated adjuncts. So as opposed to like, I mean, you'll like where it differs from like um, what you'd call like an international amber lager, which could all or or, or international dark lager, which can also also use adjuncts. Um, corn is uh, uh, very commonly a feature, and what you're looking for is something more akin to like. A lagered porter with adjuncts. So it's basically, it was the drink of blue collar workers in southeastern America in the late 19th century. Uh, typically was a cream ale base, so a dark cream ale known for the darker color, crisp finish, and balanced malt and hot profile. Historically, it used six row malt and would usually have a slight sour mash to it. Uh, similar to as... how they would make whiskey. Yeah, I heard that as well. I haven't. I, I don't know if I've run into any examples that employ a sour mash. No, I I, I know I haven't, uh, but that is acceptable in the style. Uh, it's because of the roots in the southeast and the bourbon area. You'd use that six row, which is commonly referred to as distiller's grain. The corn, because it was readily available, and you soured it just a little bit, darker malts in it, and then ferment it. So it wasn't tart, but it had a little tartness to it. Um, and this can, then can this press release talks about how you'll be able to find it uh, in the Louisville area. In 30 can cases and six packs, uh, and on draft at your favorite bars. Produced well, by, produced by on, AB and Bev. Yes. Continues to talk uh, about this, about the Louisville Ale Trail, how they're trying to get that as the Kentucky Common, known as the Kentucky's historic beer style. And, uh, the statement of disclosure at the bottom says, uh, that basically April fools, this isn't an actual, uh, fucking joke or a uh, beer. This is a joke. Well, I didn't <laughs> read through the, <laughs> because it goes for more details. Click here. 
you have to follow the hyperlink to get there. Uh, and so I was like, oh, that's so cool. I'm surprised ABM Bev's doing that. You know, they show partners with the craft brewers, so, but whatever. So am I. I'm uh, surprised that ABM Bev is doing that, and so would they. <laughs> so uh, I was like, oh, this will be perfect for the podcast. Pull up, and at the top of the article, it's like 4-3-23 update. Budweiser isn't actually making a Kentucky comment. Uh, it was a joke, uh, but if you want to try to get them to and make this the state beer, here's a petition you can sign. And I'm like, God damn, I got fucking swindled. Did you sign the petition at least? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I, I, I again a bit like with the the uh, uh, tech, the tech uh, beers. beers. I mean. Right, it was a joke, but we could make it a reality. Like, don't just dream it, be it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that it came from like the Louisville Ale Trail, I was like, no way they'd actually like call out Budweiser in like a joke, and not that must mean it's actually happening. And goddamn, I fucking feel like an idiot. You could make up. You could make up lies about uh, AB InBev. You could, in fact, write whole songs about them, and <laughs> they they kind of just have to take it. Someday I'm going to record that oh. song and put it up. Uh, <laughs> it's coming soon, as soon as I can find a little bit of time. <laughs> uh, but on the flip side, I don't feel as stupid as people who believe that outer space is actually real. Or that we've been to the moon. Uh, no, that, I actually. You space should, is real. We've been to the moon. So you should. I, I was muted for a while. You should go. Uh, you you should go tell. But did, did, did you uh, go tell Buzz Aldrin? Do you ever did you see that news yeah. article where uh, yeah. Buzz Aldrin full yeah. on <laughs> just, just fucking clocks the dude? I don't, I don't approve of violence. I really don't. I don't think it solves anything. But there is something so cathartic about watching an eighty-some-year-old man just look at some guy. You never went to the moon, prove it, and just be like, "Fuck you!" And just, <laughs> it's just in that moment you're like, "Yes." <laughs> uh, well, Bushlight uh, is partnering with a retired NASA astronaut. To help give back to the planet. Uh, and part of the reason I wanted to do this article was just so I could be like, outer space isn't real. The moon's not real. Uh, which, if you ever run into a conspiracy theorist person, he's like, do you believe the, in the moon landing? Go, wait, you believe the moon's real? And just watch their mind just start to race. Like, did I just get out conspiracy theory? Uh, no, the fun, the the fun thing to do is 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 uh, uh, is if you've run into those people, it's it, it, it you could just see their mind working. And go well. The problem is I don't know why they haven't faked any landings since. Right. Uh, <laughs> as long, but, as, long but, as we're as long but, as we're faking uh, uh, accomplishments, they could at least fake a Mars landing or anything else. <laughs> Right? It's that they never even bothered. No, that's too obvious, man. Because uh, if they do it again, then we'll realize it's fake. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be the pushover. Just like birds aren't real. Uh, you ever seen a baby pigeon? Didn't think so. Uh, well, okay. 
everybody knows that birds aren't real okay that's the that's the official stance of this podcast i don't know if you are aware of this but that is uh that is absolutely the uh the case uh uh that's that's also, just that's the a scientific earth is fact flat and there's warring factions of flat earthers so oh we can get deep into <laughs> there's warring factions my wife's an elementary school teacher and one of her parents thinks the earth is flat with four corners because it said so in the bible no it doesn't yeah i'm like i've no, read the do- bible I no it fucking part. doesn't <laughs> I don't know much about the Bible, but I'm pretty sure it fucking doesn't say there's four corners of the earth. Anyway, we're getting... <laughs> well, back to Bush Light. Uh, so for... I never thought I'd be happy to hear that phrase. <laughs> so, for every case of beer sold during April, Bush Light will donate a portion of proceeds to the environmental charity One Tree Planted, uh, and will further donate all ca- all proceeds from its Case Against Space merchandise to the organization. Um, so the whole ad campaign is Case, case against, against Space. space. That's vaguely because, threatening. <laughs> so, because Doug Hurley came out and said the thing he missed when he was in outer space was being able to drink beer and then eat pizza. Uh, most importantly, drink the beer. So the case could, to not go to space is you can't drink beer. You can in drink space. beer in space. NASA prefers you not to. Although no, you can't because the carbonation you would immediately vomit it back up because without gravity you can't. I could have sworn they. they I, I could have sworn they disproved no. that with soda. Hold on, keep talking no. and. Pepsi and Coke made a special non-carbonated soda that apparently tasted god-awful, but the astronauts were forced to drink it because Pepsi and Coke cut a fat check to the U.S. government to send it to the space stations. Hold on. Google to the rescue. Um, oh, yep, you're, I, I guess... Uh, uh, I guess you're correct. Uh, a quick, a quick Google result. I, I guess I, I guess I misremembered the results of that, uh, of that test. Okay, so beer is out, wine is in, and in, and in one instance, rum is in. Um, there is <laughs> no seriously, <laughs> a little-known story from the Apollo missions. Somebody smuggled a can of, uh, or, or a bottle of harpoon rum. <laughs> onto All right. <laughs> So it just means you have to go harder. You always go harder in space. Always. So, uh, because April is Earth Month, they are giving back to One Tree Planted, which helps restore forests, rebuilds habitats, and spreads awareness about planetary preservation. I couldn't find anywhere how much they're donating back or what portion of the case. I'm assuming they're probably just cutting a million-dollar check and saying, yeah, whatever cases we sell in April, here's this portion I sent off each case, and here's go. a million way dollars. Go. There you go. That, that, that way, way to be uh, 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 let your cynical flag fly there. <laughs> yep. You know it. But nice little feel-good story and a way to kind of get off into the weeds on conspiracy theories. It, so. warms, it warms my cockles right there. Right right, right there in my cockle. Um. 
Uh, what is your favorite conspiracy theory? Uh, either birds are government drones or uh, Hollow Earth. Ooh, Hollow Earth was fun. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so my former co-worker and I uh, determined, made a couple spinoffs that not all birds are government drones, just pigeons, uh, because <laughs> we'd catch on to it if all of them were. Uh, second, that the Earth is hollow and flat. It's like a pita bread. So we call it the, <laughs> the pita earth theory. And one of the portals into hollow earth is in Florida. That's why weird shit always happens in Florida. I, 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 I like your ideas and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Uh, also, if you want a fun show to watch about like stupid conspiracy theories, Michael Myers, the Pentaveret on Netflix, hilarious. Um, uh, uh, for me, I've always uh, appreciated the uh, uh, the uh, the the all the the bullshit that comes with JFK. Uh, the oh, that's a good one. That's that's uh, that, that's uh, um, uh, my 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 favorite uh, 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 assumption. Um, is that uh, um, um, the uh, 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 the mob did it with Frank Sinatra? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, like sit so there going, okay, there's oh, and uh, and I also do also appreciate the uh, um, that the uh, uh, the uh, DB Cooper was um, oh shit, what's that guy's name? Uh, he produced. He was the director of the Room. Um, uh, oh, Tommy no. Wiseau. Uh, uh, Tommy Wiseau. Okay. Uh, he was actually D.B. Cooper. <laughs> nice. Uh, actually, I just remembered my favorite conspiracy is Suge Knight had Tupac killed because he owed Tupac money and then covered up that murder with by having Biggie murdered to look like a, a warring faction. A lot of valuable evidence. I think that's the truth, and I'm sticking to it. You know what? I, I we're we're living in a post truth society. So if you want to believe that, I think you absolutely. You know what? It's not only you're right, but it, it, as a proper your American, responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> it, as an American, uh, you have the duty to believe that. So uh, um, America. Uh, <laughs> Tyler, Ugh. do you have anything else for us before this? Absolutely, whatever rail we have, we're we still just scared. picked up the wrong type of subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this podcast is amazing. They uh, like they, they go they go deep in the woods. Like, it's not it's not just hollow, man. It's not just hollow. It's flat too. It's a pita bread. It's a pita bread. Uh, <laughs> this, has, this has been it's all beer. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to, uh, but more information about pita bread earth, um, you. <laughs> You can subscribe uh, to our Twitter. Twitter. You know what? I look. I, I looked it up. Uh, at it's all beer uh, on Twitter has been suspended. Uh, uh, Elon, just give us the uh, uh, the Twitter account at the uh, at this yeah. point in time. It's it's we're the rightful owners to begin with because we were there second. Um, again, America. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're on Instagram. We claimed it as ours. <laughs> I. Did he have a flag? No. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll even give him a blanket. <laughs> uh, 
dark in a hurry. <laughs> We're on Instagram and Facebook, Jesus Christ. Uh, Too you can, soon? <laughs> you, can find, you can find some pictures on there, maybe of a, a, a sci-fi dildo, maybe not. Um, if you want to, if you want to uh, uh, send us an email and, sh- and and let me know exactly where in the Bible uh, it, it it said that the uh, uh, Earth has four corners, you can do that at it's all beer at gmail dot com. And, and as always, you can leave us a review on uh, on iTunes or Spotify or uh, Facebook. Uh, if you if if you like the bullshit uh, spewing from our faces right now. Actually, this is not the podcast, but if like the if like the last like ten minutes have been like, oh my god, that's my jam. Um, <laughs> there, there are other places for you to find enjoyment in your life. Um, I'm not sure. We usually deal in facts or at least something approximating that. <laughs> we try. <laughs> that will be quiet enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna have a beer. Have fun.